0: Eavesdrop on Experts, a podcast about stories of inspiration and insights. It's where expert types obsess, confess and profess. I'm Chris Hatzis. Let's eavesdrop on experts changing the world. One lecture, one experiment, one interview at a time. Fire. It's a constant in the Australian landscape. But while its frequency and impact form a fundamental part of our national psyche... Its causes are often contested, and management strategies equally so. Professor Cristina Montiel Molina is from the Complutense University of Madrid, where she's Professor of Geography and Chair of the Research Group on Forest Geography, Policy and Socioeconomics. Late last year, Professor Cristina Montiel Molina spent three months on a research visit with the School of Ecosystem and Forest Sciences at the University of Melbourne. Her research project was titled, New Governance Mechanisms for Fire Risk Management, Community Preparedness and Landscape Resilience. The main aims of the project were to understand the interactions between landscape dynamics and fire regime changes in the state of Victoria, and to investigate the governance mechanisms for bushfire management, considering landscape diversity and fire history at the regional and local scales. In the midst of another Australian summer on the continent of fire, our reporter Steve Grimwade caught up with Professor Christina Montiel Molina to chat about her work.
1: Professor Christina Montiel Molina, welcome to Eavesdrop on Experts. Thank you
2: very much. I'm very pleased to be here.
1: When you're at a barbecue with a cold drink in your hand and someone comes up to you and says, what do you do? How do you answer them?
2: Well, I'm, I'm a geographer. so I'm a social scientist, and um i'm a professor i'm a teacher and researcher in the university so my main interests are related to education to higher education but also to to the dissemination and and relationship and uh, contact with society of uh, the things that we're doing and uh, working on and then to make a progress in the important social aspects that uh, we need to, to confront and we don't know so much. So bushfires. <laughs> bushfires is the topic that uh, took me here to, uh, to Australia. And this is the topic that uh, we're working on uh, for almost 10 years in, in my research group. What about bushfires? Why uh, working on that? Well, as a social scientist, I uh, was contacted by by the European Commission to to participate in in a big, uh, in a very big uh, research program ten years ago. A very large research project on on forest fires, where they wanted to start a shift. They wanted to start a political shift regarding forest fire issues. And they realised that uh, they were approaching the project just from the ecological approach, just from the ecological point of view, but they lacked a very important component, which is people. Because forest fires and bushfires are about people. In in Europe, most of uh, forest fires are human caused. Also in Australia, even if it is a burning country, and natural fires are a very important problem. People are either at the origin, either at the consequence of this problem. And we have to deal with people. And it's very related to political decisions, if we are in the good or in the bad track. So they asked me to, to participate in, in this project because we, we were dealing with uh, social, economical and political aspects in rural areas, and of all in, in forest lands, and we started to work about that. It was amazing to discover the very huge social component of this project, and to discover that we don't know so much about that.
1: About the social impact
2: No, of no, no, not impact, causes and factors. The impact we know is, it. it's very evident that uh, we are being threatened by white fires and uh, people are dying and we are losing properties and we are having mega fires all over the world in California in Chile in Portugal in Australia we had a very recent Queensland wildfires some weeks ago and uh, it's being used uh, awful at the same time in California No no we know very well the impacts what we don't know It's the factors and how these factors are interacting with the ecological one and how the landscape dynamics and fire regime are interacting. And according with that, how should we deal with this problem in order to mitigate it? What we don't really know is how to live with
1: fire. To that point... Do you think that we accept that f- the fact that fire is a natural part of our lives? No, 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 no. Uh,
2: I think that uh, we don't really accept that uh, question, that point. where we have evolved to, to a very urban society, and uh, fire is considered as a risk, not as a natural element. We have lost uh, most part of our culture. Of our ecological culture. And uh, since the 19th century, politics uh, have introduced the idea that uh, we have to suppress fire. And they have applied fire exclusion policies. And urban societies feel scattered about fire. Fire is a risk. We don't consider it as a natural and cultural element in our lives. This is the fact in in Europe, and uh, I have been realizing that it is here in Australia as well. well here in Australia is, um, <laughs> there are many differences one of them and uh, you are lucky of having it is uh, that uh, here you have the Aboriginal culture still alive and cultural burnings and uh, and this uh, fire uh, understanding of uh, Aboriginal cultures is a very strong point for you and you can use it in order to reviving the right fireplace in landscape. But in Europe, we have not this opportunity.
1: Are you connecting that to land management practices, that an understanding of the indigenous view of fire and country is about land management?
2: Yeah, in in case of Aboriginal cultures, uh, fire is um, is a tool for land management, but it's more than this because they have the spiritual approach to to country, to to landscape, and fire is a natural element, and fire is a factor of, of landscape equilibrium, and uh, they can easily understand uh, how fire is needed in a balanced way and in a right fire regime to control fuel few lot, and also to assure biodiversity, native plants, and uh, they have the holistic approach that we are lacking in our culture, in our Western culture. uh, I'm talking from from Europe uh, because I'm Spanish, and I think that uh, some way here in Australia this Western culture was also introduced by settlers. Uh, We're facing the problems very often in a systemic way, and trying to understand the structures that, and the dynamics and trying to find the magic solution. The, uh, we are uh, very often approaching complex problems in very narrow ways. And uh, our uh, meaning, the meaning of fire is quite different from one culture to the other.
1: So much to ask. I've got so much to ask. I want to go to the magic solution first before I go to cultural differences. Um, Is the magic solution, sprinkle some fairy dust and say that we can prevent fire or is it reducing its impact on our lives?
2: We can prevent fire, we can fight fire, but what should we do? It's not the same, what we can and what we should. I think that um, we should, because it's more effective, to mitigate the risk, and also to learn living with it. And no one of these options is uh, excluded. I mean, um, we can uh, compatibilize uh, all of them, and we should. The question is that we need to be realistic and we need to be aware that uh, we are not being able to avoid fire, to exclude fire, to suppress fire. Because fire is part of landscape, should be a part of our societies. It is a part of our societies now, but in a very
1: catastrophic way. And we have to reverse that. Does fire have an ecological role? Or can you say that it has a role in nature? Absolutely. It has a very important role.
2: And this is one of of the ways that uh, it's been well understood here in Australia, for instance, in the state of Victoria. The um, the DELP... the Department of uh, Environmental Management and and, uh, Planning, is uh, working with, uh, for instance, with Aboriginal communities in order to to, um, recover this uh, good fire, this uh, ecological fire, which is improving the biodiversity, which is uh, not only uh, reducing the fuel load, but also improving our lifestyle, our landscape, our environment. And yes, of course, that the fire plays a good ecological role. This is
1: one of the problems that we have created while trying to exclude it. How do Australians differ in their approach to fire from Europeans and in particular the Spanish? How does fire sit within the national national psych? Does it? Does it play a big role in Spain? Is it commonplace? Yeah. I think that
2: there are not too many differences. Uh, and luckily, because I think that we are not in in the in the good way. I think that we are not in the good track. There are not so many differences. We're both of both of us, the Australian and the European societies, urban societies, Western culture societies, uh, technological societies, with a very um, <laughs> a powerful position regarding our. Uh, possibilities, options of land management, and we are wrong because uh, we are not able to control this uh, monster that we have created because the current megafires that we are experiencing in Europe, in Australia, in Chile, in California, everywhere in the world, are the result of our decisions, of our wrong spatial planning, our wrong land management, our wrong fire policies, and uh, we have to, to change our minds. And, and the, the way that societies are facing this problem, and luckily, is very similar as well. Societies, the people are expecting public policies to solve this problem, and they cannot. It is a common problem for everybody, and we need everybody to, to be responsible for that and to participate on that. We have to change our culture. We have to, to change also this um, top-down approach from the state government level to communities and societies and to establish an open dialogue and uh, to give not only opportunities to people to, to be understood or to, to be heard, but also to co We are a part of the problem, so we need to be a part of the solution. On uh, this uh, community level, I have realized uh, during this stay here in the University of Melbourne and working with my colleagues in the university and also in the field with local communities, that maybe you're more advanced in this uh, starting point of establishing open dialogue, bottom-up, and to engage different stakeholders in this uh, challenge. I think that you are more advanced than
1: we are in Europe in this change of culture. Listeners won't be aware, but my brow is somewhat furrowed right now because I believe in public policy. So while I'm troubled by the statement that public policy can't save us, I'm equally delighted and excited about the idea of a community-based approach to this. I suspect... That maybe the way we're heading in this conversation is that fire is different in every landscape. Every landscape is different. So therefore, it must be the communities in those landscapes that know those landscapes. They're the only ones that can resolve their local issue. Is fire a local issue? Not only that. Yes, that's one of the
2: points, but not uh, maybe not the, the most important problem. I also do believe in public policies. I think that uh, they are absolutely needed. And uh, this is why it is so important, the, the role of policymakers and the role of policy decisions. That's why. And of course, uh, landscapes are different, so they should be treated an, in a different way. But this is not the, the key. The key is that you need uh, preparedness in order to do different You need adaptiveness in order to uh, have resilient landscapes and resilient societies. And uh, you need the human presence in the territories in order to deal with the problem. Because public policies are, of course, essential, but they cannot solve everything and they are not on place. Places matter. The place and time are two very important variables to deal with this problem. And you need preparedness. You need people to be engaged and to be able to react and to be able to contribute in a positive way, not only to be at risk, but also to be a part of the solution. So I'm not claiming just for a shift from top-down to bottom-up policies. No, no, this is not the question. I'm claiming for a different approach, a very open dialogue co-decision, co-responsibility, learning to live with fire, be responsible of the problem that everybody are sharing. So if you are sharing the problem, you have to share the solution as well. And uh, it's a cultural change more than a political change.
1: I would have expected from my very base level understanding of the way Australian firefighting works, that we have a huge community involvement via the CFA and the way they operate in communities. So I would have thought that existed already. So what is it about, how can they co-curate solutions? Or even better, can you give me examples where co-curation is working?
2: There is a um, community-based or an emergent community-focused approach in CFA and also in Delp in both uh, bodies. And this is a very good approach. And CFA are, in my opinion, in a very good position to work with uh, communities because they have volunteers and, and they have this community connection. And uh, also they are working very good with uh, Aboriginal communities and, and with uh, cultural burning and with this very important for you opportunity to do better. And I think that uh, CFA, it's really a very strong positive point that you have. And you should use it because uh, they are—they have the, the culture of preparedness. They, they are now in, in this uh, fire season that you're starting now, uh, they have a, a very good slogan. Something like, uh, are you ready for fire? And uh, they're very well connecting with communities. But uh, maybe one of the limitations of, of these uh, opportunities is that CFA is just uh, dealing with firefighting. Could be good that uh, they had a stronger position in the fire risk mitigation approach. I mean, not only firefighting, but also Working with uh, cultural issues, which is more than prevention, it is education, it is preparedness. It is uh, this uh, open learning approach, not only firefighting, but also contributing to fire risk
1: mitigation. So you're, so you're saying the, the dialogue leads to the risk mitigation? Yeah, absolutely. How?
2: By uh, through the processes of um, education, educating society, in order to to understand what is the role of fire and what is the place of fire, and what is the real problem of fire, and being able to deal with it, not being just at risk, but also being a part of solution. Be aware of uh, what are the risky activities and uh, and not only activities but attitudes and land management and uh, starting a change.
1: So is the real problem just being able to deal with it, just accepting that it will happen? This is one of the main problems. I I want to get into what is potentially a, um, not an argument, (laughs) I want to get into an area which is debated and that is the use of fire stick farming and also potentially the idea of... uh, how planned burns work or don't work, how prescribed burning works. I guess, I mean, one, I think the the term fire stick farming, which is attributed to Indigenous people in Australia, uh, a lot of people debate whether that actually existed at all. And then secondly, the use of fire by Indigenous people to to achieve certain ends is very localised. With every different Indigenous community and nation, they do things differently. So there's not one approach to using fire. How do you approach that?
2: You are really pointing out uh, the very deep questions, the very important aspects of, of this change that I am trying to ask for. Well, fire uses, you know, we have to differentiate. What is uh, traditional uh, fire use and what is uh, plant burned, uh, burning. two very different approaches. And uh, please don't ask me to choose what is the good or the better way because uh, they are quite different and uh, they both are useful, interesting and positive, in my opinion. But once again, it depends. It depends where, when and how. If we start by traditional fire uses, which are connected here in, in Australia with Aboriginal communities, well... I think this is a very strong opportunity you have to reviving this fire culture, which is not exactly a fire culture, but it is a holistic approach to country. Aboriginal people talk about country and we talk about landscape. It's very similar and the scales are very similar as well which is different, is the meaning and understanding. We have not the spiritual and the integrative understanding. But um, we can understand and they can understand because we are different communities, different cultures, different approaches. I say we because I consider myself as a Western person. But we can and we need to live together and to work together and to learn together in a 2 ways approaches. So these cultural burning are a very good, useful approach in an obviously regulated framework, according with the current situation, because we are not living now in the 18th century, but in the 21st century. So it's evident that we have to adapt to the, the current landscapes are not the landscapes that we had at the beginning of the 20th century, so nobody can think that uh, we, we can deal in the same way now. But the approach is useful now as it was before. So this is a very strong point that you have. And it would be crazy to not use it. And then we have plant burn. Yes, the fuel load reduction with prescribed burning, it's a useful, important tool. It's a very positive contribution for fire risk mitigation and we need it. What is the question? The question is that either cultural burning, either plant burning are not the solution and they cannot solve everything and they cannot be either the only way to manage this uh, complex problem. They are needed, but nobody can think that plant burning is enough for guaranteeing that uh, your urbanization, your property, your settlement will be safe. no. Or thinking that cultural burning is being the solution for having a safer landscape and uh, then you, you are solving the problem and recovering a very good fire regime. No, you need all these tools and more in order to adapt to different landscapes, to different places, to different societies and... And to different times, because you have not the same situation now than 10 years ago or within 10 years or 15 years. And uh, you have not the same situation today than yesterday. You have already here in Australia a climate-driven problem. Fire is a climate-driven problem. Climate change is for you. A worst problem that uh, it is for us in Europe, here it's a very, very big problem for bushfires. You have to deal with a very complex problem. You cannot imagine that you are going to solve it efficiently just with uh, cultural burning or just with plant burning. And you cannot say that uh, that's not good because it has not solved my problem. No, it's of course it's good and it's needed, but this is not enough.
1: Are there an equal number of women in fire management uh, as there are men? And has this got any implications for the study and management of fire?
2: (laughs) That's a a very nice question. I like that. No, there are not um, women enough in this area. You know, very recently, a scientific journal called FIRE has published an editorial which is called Women in Fire. And uh, they have uh, um, selected or recognized the 145 women in the world that uh, are leading science uh, above uh, fire ecology or fire management or fire sociology, different aspects of fire. Uh, 145 in the world. There are more, but it is very few amount, very few number. And then in the operational teams, less. And why? Well, (laughs) because uh, we have a very male society and uh, we have excluded women and uh, women don't uh, feel cold enough, not yet, to to participate in fire management. But, you know, I was surprised uh, when attending uh, two weeks ago a community meeting here in Australia in Newstead. Uh, Talking Fire was the name of of this community-based meeting with the participation of the state of Victoria, government uh, bodies, CFA, DELP, and there, most of participants were human. And the human voice is very strong. And uh, we are the half of the society. And we have a different approach. And we have a different understanding. Our understanding is needed. We are dealing with a complex uh, problem. Let me say that we are very complex as well, uh, women, and uh, maybe our voice and our understanding is useful. When I say maybe, I mean that it is. I'm a woman. I'm very feminist. I'm very activist, and um, I like very much working with women. When when I chose and when I decided to start my sabbatical year here in Australia, it was because of a woman. It was because of Professor Ruth Bailin. And uh, I think that women that are participating in this program are doing a very good job
1: and a very good contribution, but we are very few women by the moment. How how does a woman's approach to fire management or the study of fire differ?
2: Uh, It's completely different. It's a more flexible approach, and it is not... uh, focused in in one or two issues it's um, more integrative and above all it's a more adaptive approach it's different yeah we are different
1: what or who inspired you to study fire?
2: it was one very good friend of mine uh, it was a man it is uh, Professor uh, Francisco Rego. He's a very important person in international fire community. Uh, he was the president of uh, the head of the European Forest Institute. He was the um, political r- responsible person in, in Portugal for many years of forest. And he's um, he was a professor also in the United States. Uh, he's a very strong person in fire community in the world. And he was leading the European project Fire Paradox that started in 2006. So he's an engineer, he's a man, uh, but uh, he has a very open mind. And uh, he was the person that um, realized that uh, it was needed a change in Europe regarding uh, fire policies and fire management. And it was absolutely needed to introduce social sciences and social aspects and social point of view. And they couldn't dealt with the problem just uh, from the engineering or ecological and male uh, approach. So he asked me to participate in this uh, huge European project. It was a challenge. Because uh, I was uh, working at that moment just with uh, forest geography issues, environmental history issues, uh, rural development issues, also public policies assessment. But I had not uh, really uh, worked on fire. That was a challenge. And since uh, that year,
1: uh, we're mostly or only working on that. You mentioned the word fire paradox, the words fire paradox. I'm interested in that idea of, I mean, do you love fire? Do you fear it? Do you respect it? Do you understand it? What's your personal relationship? I try to understand it. I don't fear
2: it, but I don't think that I understand it really. I try to understand it. I respect it. And I recognize that I am, I'm a very urban person. I have never tried to deal with fire as fire management. I have a very good uh, friends and colleagues, uh, firefighters, firefighters. Fire managers, fire ecologists, but I'm not. I'm very proud of being uh, her colleague and her friend, but I have never really managed it. So I cannot say that I understand fire. That's not true. But I try to understand it. I respect it. And I know and understand that we were wrong
1: and we have to change our minds about it. How would you describe the current approach uh, to bushfires and management in Victoria? Well... As far as I
2: have understood, after this uh, three months stay here and after having talked with uh, people from CFA, from the from communities, from Aboriginal uh, communities and um, different organizations, my uh, opinion is that um, here in Victoria, there are two very separated positions regarding uh, fire issues. In one spectrum, you have uh, people that uh, think that we are not burning enough. We need more fire in order to reduce l- fuel load and uh, to reduce fire risk and uh, to be safer. And uh, they think that it's needed plant burning, prescribed fire. And uh, we need more fire in order to avoid white fires. This is the position, this is the spectrum of, where, for instance, Delp is, and uh, this is the, the approach of uh, Safer Together, Bush fire management plans, and the government state of Victoria, in general, the other uh, spectrum on, on the opposite, think that, uh, thinks that... Uh, we burn too much. There is too many use of fire and we don't really know what is the impact of that. Uh, We don't really have uh, evidences enough to prove and and to be sure that we need fire in order to reduce fuel load. We we have not evidences that uh, this is the good track. Uh, And ecologists, uh, urban society and all uh, other groups of stakeholders, social actors are on this spectrum. Two very different, uh, focused and, and very extreme positions. And between of them, you have a large territory. You have between the most part of the state, you have the landscape, you have the Aboriginal communities, you have the rural societies, you have the municipalities, you have the communities... You have place and people between these two extreme social spectrum of uh, approaches to fire. So what is the challenge? I think that uh, not the solution, but the challenge to start a shift and to do different and to cope with the problem and to mitigate risk and to learn together what is the challenge? To build the bridge between these two spectrums. Because in the middle, you have not the solution, but you have the opportunities, you have the means, because it's not acceptable to understand that either one spectrum, either the other are right. Maybe both of them are right and both of them are wrong. But what about the middle? When I talk with a person, with a manager in CFA, and uh, I put him the question, and where is CFA? Uh, He answered uh, to me in a very wise way. He said to me, CFA is in the three positions, in one spectrum, in the other spectrum, and other in the middle of. CFA is willing to learn and to work with everybody. But, you know, the frameworks that you have still now are as the frameworks that we have in Europe, very narrow in adapted frameworks to deal with the problem, we need new governance mechanisms and we need to build bridges, not too
1: focused on positions and the spectrums. We spoke about magic earlier. I'm giving you a magic wand. You have not only the Prime Minister, but you have the Premier in the room, and you're, in a- you're enabling them to do one thing. What can they do to help us? accept or minimise or mitigate the risk of bushfires? What are you asking them to do? I would to listen, to listen. If it is the Prime Minister, I would recommend
2: him to listen, to listen to communities, to listen to firefighters, to listen to people who are dealing with the problem, to listen, to listen. I have a very a very bad feeling because um, first thing, the first reaction is... Um, was so clear. Can you cannot really see it? You cannot really understand that we have to deal otherwise? That this is a spatial problem? That this is a social problem? That this is a cultural problem? Don't you understand it? Are you really so selfish to think that you're safe in this beautiful landscape so close to the forest in a so idyllic lifestyle are you really so stupid, per- people? You cannot understand that you are in in a territory at risk. You are not able to understand that. Are you surprised about that? We have a very strong problem. How I feel? I don't know if this is the right word in English, but we call in Spanish indignada, indignated. Maybe in English, I don't know. Uh, upset. I get upset. I get upset with politicians, yeah, above all with politicians and also with the whole society. Not at all with land managers, with firefighters, with people working on that issues. That for me are very, very respectful people. I work with them and I think that they are doing a very good, needed, strong, difficult work so well. They do their best, and they are fighting with our monster, which is the fire problem that we have created all of us, and then with society that are not cooperating with this problem and are just waiting for someone who are coming to solve this problem. And then with politicians that are not listening and that not willing to take difficult decision and to change the way that things are being done. So I feel upset. I feel very upset and very solidar with firefighters, with land managers, with scientists, with technicians with volunteers, with all these people that are doing a great job and um, feel and are alone because they have not the engagement and the cooperation of society and politicians.
1: Professor Cristina Montiel Molina, they are listening to you now. Thank you very much for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you to Professor Cristina Montiel Molina from the Complutense University of Madrid. And thanks to our reporter, Steve Grimwade. Eavesdrop on Experts, stories of inspiration and insights was made possible by the University of Melbourne. This episode was recorded on December 19, 2018. You'll find a full transcript on the Pursuit website. Audio engineering by me, Chris Hatzis. Co-production, Sylvie Van Wall and Dr Andy Horvath. Eavesdrop on Experts is licensed under Creative Commons Copyright 2019, the University of Melbourne. Don't forget to drop us a review on iTunes and check out the rest of the Eavesdrop episodes in our archive. I'm Chris Hatzis, producer and editor. Join us again next time for another Eavesdrop on Experts.